0: This teaching comes to you from the team at St. Mark's, Darling Point, Sydney. We hope that it blesses you. Our
1: Lord and loving Heavenly Father, we ask that you would give us your grace, not only to hear your word with our ears, but also to have it take, take seed, take root in our hearts and show forth in our lives to the glory of your name. Amen. Thanks.
0: Thanks. I'm reading from Luke 14, verses 25 to 34. Large crowds were travelling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: The uh, second Bible reading is Romans chapter 6, verse 15 to 23. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart, the pattern of teachings that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of god the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life for the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life in christ jesus our lord hear the word of the lord
1: good morning let's let's pray our gracious father we thank you for the holy scriptures their precepts, promises, direction, and light. In them may we learn of Christ, grasp his truth, and have grace to follow in his steps. Amen. Well, on her 21st birthday, Queen Elizabeth II addressed her people and announced, I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service. She went on to serve her country and her commonwealth for 70 years until in the closing sentences of her Platinum Jubilee letter, she declared, I look forward to continuing to serve you with all my heart. Elizabeth knew that even as queen, she was, in the end, a servant. And not only a servant of her kingdom. In her first Christmas broadcast as queen in 1952, she said, Pray for me that God may give me wisdom and strength, that I may faithfully serve him and you all the days of my life. Queen Elizabeth lived to serve her people and her God. And this is one of the reasons why she was so well loved, why so many have wanted to emulate at least this part of her character. Serving God and others is a great and noble way to live, whether it be in the church as monarch or in your home or through your voc- your vocation but a life of service isn't easy because service means giving up freedom instead of going our own way we need to redirect our desires our plans and our goals for the sake of god the sake of others and the queen knew this she had seen uh, herself she had seen her uncle abdicate the throne because of the demands that it made on his personal life. And she herself wrestled with the tensions of wanting to live her own life while also then taking up her role as servant queen. And so it is with us, we face a choice. Do we serve the people around us or do we forge our own path? Or is there a way for us to live as servants while also living as free people, living authentic lives according to, To our true choosing selves. Well, we're continuing our series in the book of Romans. And when we get to Romans 6, the Apostle Paul takes up this very issue of service. But when he talks about freedom and service, he takes our assumptions and turns them on their head. According to Paul, we don't have a choice between servanthood and freedom. Because we are always a slave to something. Look at how Paul puts it in verse 16. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. The alternative to serving God and others in righteousness isn't freedom. It's slavery. And so if we want to serve rightly, we need to understand this, get this straight. Because we are not the autonomous, choosing individuals that we like to think that we are. Our natural condition, apart from Christ, is that we are slaves to sin. That's not to say that we can't do anything good. Of course we do. But it's that every single part of us is tainted in some way by sin. Stuck in sin in some way. And so it enslaves us. It enslaves us because it's addictive. We get so used to the pattern of bitter words, the habits of sexual immorality, the rush of greed, that they can be impossible to stop, and we can't help but obey them. Many of you will know the pull of pornography, of, compulsing, of compulsive buying, of drugs and alcohol. And there are many more private and not so private sinful addictions that we know all too well. Sin enslaves us because it's addictive. Sin also enslaves us because when our sinful desires control our lives. The Christian author Rebecca Manley Pippett has said that whatever controls us is our Lord. She continues, The person who seeks power is controlled by power. The person who seeks acceptance is controlled by acceptance. We do not control ourselves. We are controlled by the Lord of our lives. Her point is that desires can become like a malevolent dictator that we're forced to obey even when it's destroying us. When the desire for power leads us to drivenness and bone-deep fatigue or the desire for acceptance and approval leads us to chase it at all costs and leads to self-righteousness and pride on the one hand or to inadequacy on the other sin enslaves us when it controls our lives but sin's worst enslaving power is that it kills us it sucks the joy and goodness out of life those desires for power or success for acceptance and approval they drive so many of our fears and worries our self-pity and envy our lack of self-control so often derails our plans And our harsh words of bitterness eat away at even our most precious friendships and relationships. But sin kills us more literally. It's the very reason for our mortal death. And this is a death that's not just mortal, but eternal. Life separated from God forever. Despite what we think, we are slaves. Always a slave. And so freedom by forging your own way, according to Romans, is an illusion. So where does that leave us? Condemned to a life of sin? A life of slavery? And what of our desire to serve God and others? Is it hopeless? Well, yes and no. It's true that we are always slaves. But when we trust in Jesus' death and resurrection, we become slaves not to sin... But slaves to righteousness. Now, this slave, this idea of being a slave even to righteousness, what do you think of that metaphor? It can sound a bit harsh and grating, can't it? And I reckon Paul knew that. And the original readers of this letter, they would have, it would have included slaves in their congregation, people who had owned slaves, and people who probably owned slaves at the time. And they knew too well the painful realities. And so that's why in verse 19, Paul kind of apologizes for the analogy. It's imperfect. But the language of slavery to God and to his righteousness captures a deep reality about the Christian life. It means that becoming a Christian is a transfer of allegiance from the cruel and oppressive master of sin to the life-giving and generous master of righteousness and our Lord. And so that's why in verse 18, Paul's able to speak about freedom, that we're given freedom from sin. Like a car that's stuck, it's got its wheels stuck deep in the thick mud and there's no way out, no matter how much you put the accelerator down. By Jesus' death and resurrection, It's like the winch that pulls us up out of that muck, freed and cleaned. That doesn't mean that we all of a sudden become perfect, but it means that we are delivered from the penalty of sin. We don't have to fear death and judgment anymore. And we're free from the power of sin. We have God's spirit in us, pulling us out of those destructive and degrading ways of living. And so it's there that we move from this freedom this, uh, from being stuck in slavery to this freedom from sin to become slaves to righteousness. And later it's slaves to God. And this is a radical new obedience and allegiance in response to God's grace. Now it's easy to talk we often talk about gifts as free gifts with no, no obligation, no strings attached, no expectations. But I think in our experience we know that that's not actually how gifts work, and it's not how gifts in Paul's day worked either, because gifts they generate new relationships, new sets of allegiances and obligations. When I went through uni, uh, my I was supported by my parents all the way through. I lived at home. Uh, They put a roof over my head. They fed me a lot. Uh, They paid for my expenses. And they did it, not because I had earned it, but because they loved me. I, I, I wasn't worthy. They loved me. They did it for me. But out of that came this new dimension of, of obligation, uh, a new relationship of obligation for me to honour my parents when I worked after I graduated. And uh, similarly, when, when Amy and I first got married, we bought a unit, and we were able to do that because we had gifts from family to to enable us to afford it they gave us those generous gifts because they loved us just out of out of their generosity but that then generated new sets of obligations and relationship an obligation to give thanks to show hospitality to them and to honor them and this This relationships of obligations through gifts was especially true in Paul's day. And so it's the same with God and the gospel. Out of his great love for us, he gives us, he forgives us, he makes peace with us, he gives us new life in Jesus Christ. Not because we earn it, not because we're worthy. But all this outpouring of God's grace then generates a new relationship, a new allegiance, an obligation to him. We are his servants. And so we owe him thanks and honour and obedience. And that's why in verse 17, Paul describes a Christian as someone who has come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. We have been handed over to God and to his righteousness as servants. Now, I wonder how this sits with you, uh, being a, thinking of ourselves as, as uh, slaves. You know, sometimes we use the language of servant, which sounds you know, a little more dignified. But language of slave can seem a little degrading. At the end of the 1800s, Frederick Nietzsche had criticized Christianity for being obsessed with this kind of thing, uh, obsessed with humility, and so turning people into servile, self-loathing wimps. In when we should have been the strong and noble people that we are supposed to be. Or was he right? Well, one response to this is to pick and choose and to take bits of, the, of Christianity that, that we like. Maybe just the forgiveness bit. Well, you know, I'll, I'll take that, but becoming a slave, that sounds a bit much. Or taking the bits of Christianity that sit with us well, like uh, that help us along the way. But don't take things too seriously, now, treating it as wisdom for life, but a life that's less about God and more about me, or a spiritual caffeine hit on the way to actualizing my potential, giving stability to my family, making my life more of what it could be. But the critics are right. Romans 6, Paul says here, it's Christianity is slavery. And yet, this. Slavery, this new slave master, isn't brutal or harsh, but loving and life-giving. And this this slavery isn't servile, self-loathing or wimpish. God gives us the power to resist sin, the power to live a flourishing life of tender strength, in humility and joy and patience and self-control. And he gives all people, weak and strong, a nobility and dignity, And shows us what it means to live as truly human. If you trust in Jesus Christ, you are a slave to the God who created you and saved you and to his righteousness. And so if we're slaves to sin then, so what? Well, what difference does it make? Well, remember last week we talked about you be you. We were We've been raised from death to life. We have a new life in Jesus Christ. And so what we need to do is live in accordance with our, our new identity. Be yourself. You do you as you are in Jesus Christ. And it's the same here. Now that you are a slave to righteousness, live like it. That's what Paul says, verse 19, in the second bit. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. The language that Paul uses here is offering every part of yourselves, all of your body parts, all the bits that make you up, offer them all to God as slaves. It's so easy to compartmentalize our life of faith, to have this spiritual side, and then to carry on as if The spirit is just kind of a ghost in an ill fitting machine. And so, living parts of our lives that are just unconnected from our faith our private life, our work life, or our bank account. But if you trust in Christ, He calls you to offer everything, every part of you to Him. Not only your spirit, but also your mind, your creativity, your intelligence. Your capacities, faculties, all given over to Him, for the sake of His mission in the world, and for doing everything for His glory. Not also, not only your spirit and mind, but also your body, your hands, as you work for, for His glory and for the good of others. Your tongue, as you speak the truth in love, and your eyes, as you set them on what is good and right, and your strength, as you use your power and influence for the sake of others. We are called to offer every part of ourselves as slaves to righteousness. And so each day, we face a choice of who we will serve. Will we serve the old master of sin? Or will we serve our new master? Because as Bob Dylan says, you've got to serve somebody. Serving the old master of sin can seem so easy and be so attractive. But that old way is not good. It's not good. That's why he says in verse 19 that it leads to ever-increasing wickedness. Slowly but surely, those habits, when you feed and nurture them, like a cute little saltwater crocodile, when you feed it and nurture it, It will eat you alive. Feeding discontentment will make you endlessly unhappy. Feeding grudges will make you bitter and resentful. Feeding sexual immorality will destroy your relationships and sear your conscience. And in verse 21, the fruit of those things is shame. We all know that shame, those things that keep you up at night. You stew on the past and just want to cover your face. I can't believe I did that. And the end result is death. Eternal separation from God and the life he gives. That old way feels free, but it's, it's slavery. Don't be like the fish that casts aside the constraints of the ocean to flap about on the sand, gasping for oxygen. It's the way of death. Death. But the slavery to righteousness is what we're made for. That's the ocean in which we thrive. The ecosystem that we're made for. And the promise is that we will grow to reflect it more and more as we grow to love it more and more. And the language that Paul uses here is that it leads to holiness. Uh, the, The truth is that in Jesus Christ we are already righteous, we are already holy but the promise here is that as we go on, we gradually reflect more and more of that righteousness, more and more of that holiness. It's a bit like through the course of a good marriage. Uh, Naomi and I are no more married today than when we were first married 15 years ago. Uh, but my, I hope that I've grown as a husband in that time and not just in my waist size. Some days I'm attentive and gentle. Other days I'm self-absorbed and cranky. But my hope is that over time I've increasingly grown to express the truth of that marriage. When we set ourselves to seek after and serve God and his righteousness with single-minded dedication, he transforms us over time to display more and more of that righteousness and holiness that he calls us to. We become increasingly humble and loving and dedicated to him and to serving others with a whole heart. And the end result is life, eternal life. Beyond the fear of pain and death, a life with him and with each other forever. So if you struggle to wake up each day and offer yourself to righteousness, keep going, keep pressing on, God is with you. He's changing you. And the end result is eternal life. So it's worth it. It's worth it. Queen Elizabeth was a remarkable woman who gave her life to serve her country. But because she trusted Christ, what defined her most centrally wasn't her earthly royalty with all its pomp and show but that she was a slave of God and his righteousness. And so the question is today, who will you serve? Who will you serve? The life of sin that leads to death or the life of righteousness that leads to eternal life? Let me pray. Our loving Father, we thank you for all the gifts that you have lavished on us that you, have de- you declare us righteous in Jesus Christ, that you make peace with us, that you are no longer angry with us, that you give us a new life and you call us to serve you. And so, Father, would you enable us by the power of your Spirit to lay down our lives, to take up our cross and to follow you, give our lives in allegiance and service of you. And may that spill out in the way that we love and serve others. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at www.stmarksdp.org to subscribe to our new episodes, browse more resources, and find more information about the community of St. Mark's.